just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. You know, I'm fortunate because I'm technically retired. I can get up in the morning anytime I want. could be 6 a.m. It could be 10 a.m. It depends on how late I stay up. And I do stay up late because that's when I record the podcast. Uh, but I don't have to worry about getting up at any specific time generally. Of course, there are occasions with doctor's appointments, meetings, or whatever. Those rare occasions, I do have to get up at a specific time. But the problem with getting up these days, every day you wake up and turn on the news, there's some other fucking mess. Just as soon as one of them looks like they're going to be better, then another one crops up. We see it every day, all day. And it gets very stressful and it gets very tiring. So it's important you don't let this stuff hang over your head all the time. All we can really do is watch what's going on. Do what we can to fight back or push back or lift our voices so that somebody hears our concerns. But there's no way any one of us is going to fix this situation. It's going to take everybody to push back on some of these things, whether it be the overturning of Roe v. Wade, whether it be the investigations and the possible indictments of insurrectionists. And the important thing is to remember not everything will go your way every time. And too often I see people who are watching something and it doesn't go their way. They'll throw up their hands and say, oh, see, nothing's ever going to work. It's always going to go the opposite way. And that is really no way to look at anything. I've told you before, if you're going to do something, you should have a positive outlook when you go in. And you should assume you're going to win. But all too often, people assume they're going to lose and are constantly looking at the negative. Well, you're drawing that towards you. Chances are you will get some negative reaction and you will lose. We do have some control in our lives. And what we think has some determining part of how we end up. If you've been uh, disappointed, over and over and over again. You still must hold some positivity and some hope because if you don't have hope, you have nothing. Then you might as well curl up in the corner, cry, and uh, wait for it all to end. I'm not one to do that. I'm a believer that no matter what the problem is, there's always an angle to get around it or to get it fixed. Even if I've been uh, stopped or have failed multiple times, there's got to be an angle. There's got to be a way. So you got to always be looking for that angle. Always keep a positive outlook and keep pushing forward. The moment you stop pushing forward, then it's fucking over. You might as well go sit in the corner and cry because you're not much good to the effort at this point once you've given up. Now, of course, we get a lot of emails on the Rational Boomer podcast, and we read them up front on the uh, program. Now, I have two emails that have come to me. First one says, Good morning, Mike. I started listening as soon as your podcast hit and have loved every show. 
I've written in before and you've been nice enough to answer those emails. My question is simple. Do you feel like the leaked SCOTUS Roe v. Wade decision was leaked on purpose as a distraction from how close the J6 are now with the spitting distance of Diaper Donnie, that this is supposed to take our minds off the January 6th or play somehow by the right to distract the Dems? I love your content. Keep the rational thinking coming our way. Gordon. Well, thank you very much, Gordon. Um, Was it intentionally leaked? I don't think there's any question about it. Was it to distract us from uh, the January 6th committee and some of the things that are coming to pass there? I don't really think so. I think there's more to this uh, than just a, a distraction. I don't know how tightly the Supreme Court works with Donald Trump. He shouldn't be working with them at all. I don't know how strongly they support Donald Trump, or is it just the conservative Republican effort? Donald Trump just jumped on board and said, yeah, that sounds good to me as long as you all vote for me. See, Donald Trump's not that smart. He's not coordinating with the Supreme Court. He doesn't have that kind of intellect or that kind of contact. That said, we've got three justices that were put on that court by way of Donald Trump. He was just a Donald Trump was just a tool, really, of the Republican Party. They got him in. They knew how to manipulate him. And he got them three Supreme Court justices, which is what they needed in order to pursue overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, the funny thing is they've been doing this for decades, trying and planning to overturn Roe v. Wade, and they've never been able to accomplish it. But now they're on the precipice of actually doing that. And now they don't want to talk about it. I think the Republicans are upset that it was leaked when it was leaked because they would have rather had it after the midterms because this is going to wreak havoc on the elections between the Republicans and the Democrats. It's not going to work in their favor. It's going to hurt them very badly. Now, why they did it, I don't know. Some people think it's a Democrat staffer or somebody who released it. And it may be somebody that's just appalled that this decision was sitting there in the wings and they thought that it needed to be put out there to get everybody excited to somehow shut this down. I think that's unlikely. As I said in the show previously with Ed, um, I can't see a staffer putting $200,000 into schooling, just starting their career and then throwing it away by doing something this foolish. I, I just don't see that happening. I do see one of the justices releasing it. And as I said in the previous podcast, I've heard a lot of people suggest too, Justice John Robert. Don't think it's him. He's really concerned about the perception of the Supreme Court, that that uh, people are diminishing, uh, people's opinion is diminishing of the Supreme Court, and he doesn't like that. If he was to release that that draft opinion, that would not put the court in good light. So I don't think he did it. And then there's Judge Alito who wrote this thing, and I don't think he's the one that would have done it. I mean, what we're seeing in a draft opinion is just the starting point. There are negotiations between the conservatives and the the, the liberals. What this would end up being would be probably a lot different than what we see in this draft.
It may still overturn Roe v. Wade, but it may be softened up a little bit. So I don't think Alito would want this out in this form to make him look bad. I, I don't think that would be true. Now, the one person, the one thing I've heard, the suggestion I've heard is probably the best suggestion. And that would be that Clarence Thomas released it. He is the uh, longest tenured justice on the court. He's got some problems of his own. He's married to an insurrectionist. He's not recusing himself in situations where she's involved or organizations she's connected to are involved. So he's getting a lot of heat. I don't know that anybody can do anything about it, but he doesn't like that perception. And we're going to talk about something that that, um, Justice Clarence Thomas said about this whole situation a little later in the program. So I don't think it was to distract against J6. I just I just don't see how that works. Because on June 9th, when these hearings on television starts, the focus is going to be on that. Because it's going to be a shit show. It's going to be must-see TV. So, no, I don't think it was because of that. But it is somehow tied to the overturning Roe v. Wade. Somebody's either upset about it and wanted to expose it. Somebody wanted to create a distraction and expose it. I'm not sure yet, but I bet you we find out. They're working real hard to find out who leaked it, and the Republicans are absolutely sure that it's Democrats. But everything I've seen would suggest it's probably the Republicans. All right, next email. Hey, Mike, let me just first off state that uh, this is Kevin from Connecticut. My last email I had to type out really quickly on lunch break, but I think I may have forgotten to sign it. But I did love your take on my email and completely agree with you. And in no way was I calling you a racist. I had to binge a few podcasts today to catch up, but I'm definitely intrigued and curious and possibly would like to talk with you sometime on the podcast. I'll leave that up to you and your infinite wisdom. <laughs> well, that's that's questionable, but you have my name and my email, and if you're interested, please just hit me up. I work second shift, so usually I'm up late anyways. Have a good one. Kevin. Okay. Kevin was the one that was making these suppositions about un, unintentional racism and all that stuff. And I said when I read that that he wasn't suggesting that I'm racist. He was just making a point. And I understand that, Kevin. And actually, I feel like you made a very good point about that. And... Um, I have no qualms with it. I'm not mad at you about it. You made some observations and you asked me. You're entitled to do that. And I like the fact that you were thinking deeply when you asked those questions. Now, in as far as you being on the show, I'd be happy to have you on the show. You seem like an intelligent young man and and uh, it would be good to talk to you. And I'm sure the folks listening would get something out of it too. So, Kevin, here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to chase you down. Here's what you need to do. Send me an email. I've got your name and say, I want to be on the show. And uh, this is a good time for me to do it. 
a specific day, a specific time. Then at that point, I'll try to work it out. If I can't work it out on that date, I'll come back to you, and then we'll try to negotiate something out to get you on the air. But I have no qualms about putting you or anybody else on the air. If you're out there in the audience and want to uh, be on the show and talk a little bit, by all means, contact me by email. Tell me what time of day you're usually available and uh, if there's a specific day that you might be available. Now, some people have said to me, they said, look, Mike, what if you get some crazy some bitch and, uh, and you do this interview and it's just a mess? Well, that's very simple. This isn't a live show. If somebody comes on and does some crazy shit, well, fuck them. I'm not going to run the the uh, segment. I'll record something else. So it's not a problem. I'm in control here. And if you come on and we want to talk sensibly, I'm all for it. I think folks in our audience are just as smart or smarter than I am, and they have some insights that I've never considered. That's part of the reason why Ed comes on from time to time. He comes from a totally different perspective. He's a little older. He lives in the South. He grew up in the South. He is a liberal, but he's a different kind of liberal than I am. I'm not really a full-fledged liberal, but in this case, dealing with the Republicans, I guess I am liberal. So... Kevin, just do that. Tell me when you're available, the day, the time, and I will see if I can set it up and we'll get it done. Any Anyone else out there that wants to do the same thing, that's all you have to do. Say, I want to be on the show. Send me the date and time that you're available and we'll see if we can work it out. We'll hook it up. We'll do uh, a segment or two and see how it goes. All right. First up, the verdict is in in Georgia. A judge there decided that Marjorie Taylor Greene should be able to run for re-election to her seat in the U.S. House of Representatives in November. However, the judge is not the final word. Next, it goes to the Georgia's uh, Secretary of State. He will make the final decision. His name is Brad Raffensperger. You may recognize the name. He is the guy that took a call from Donald Trump. Trump proceeded to try and coerce Raffensperger to overturn the election in Georgia. To his credit, Secretary of State Raffensperger told him, in not so many words, to fuck off. But if you think he's going to be a hero and stand in the way of Green running for re-election, you need to think again. And before, just before I did the show, I'd heard that uh, the Raffensperger has come out, has agreed with the judge, and Marjorie Taylor Greene will have the option to run for re-election. That is, assuming nothing else has happened between now and November. Now, what you need to understand about uh, Raffensperger, as much as he might have been a hero by telling Donnie Trump to fuck up, fuck off, uh, Raffensperger is a Republican and is also up for re-election in November. So there is no way that he was going to do anything to alienate Republicans. He is a Republican. He wants to win. He'll do what he has to win. In fact, he's talking about starting a new investigation into election fraud when he knows very well there was no election fraud. And that is why he didn't do what Donald Trump asked him to do. But he feels like he needs to do this to get the Republican vote to get reelected. That's the kind of integrity these folks have. 
They don't care about truth. They don't care about justice. They don't care about what's right. It's all about getting reelected. But the important thing is, don't get depressed. This was a civil case. Margie's is going to be going through some things between now and November. The January 6th committee will be having televised hearings and will be revealing a lot of uh, evidence. Now, we know Green is tied into the insurrection deeply. She could be expelled sometime between now and November from the House of Representatives. She could be indicted. And frankly, even if she runs, there's a good chance that she will not win. Now, where she's running is a highly Republican section, and there's been some gerrymandering going on, so she may have the edge. But let's be honest. She's been stripped of all her committee uh, assignments. She's not getting a check for her job because all of it is going to pay for fines for not wearing a mask. She's basically worthless, and she's also an embarrassment. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, in fact, she wins her primary. That's another way she could be stopped here. In the primary, another Republican could beat her, and then she would not show up in the general election in November. Suffice to say, and I'll say this uh, as a prediction, but I feel confident about it, that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene will not have a second term. She'll still be a loud mess. She'll probably be on Fox or Newsmax or something like that. Uh, But she won't have any more power. And she really doesn't have any power now. It's just her mouth keeps yapping. And she generates money for the Republican Party, so they let her continue. Now, here's something interesting. Donald Trump recently said that he hates it when people call him stupid. Well, here's my recommendation to Donnie. If you don't want to be called stupid, Donnie, then don't do fucking stupid shit like you do all the time. Apparently, um, Donald Trump's former defense secretary has just released his brand new book. His name is Mark Esper. Now, in the book, there are some revelations that put into question Donald Trump's intellectual capacity, his temperament, and his maturity level. Now, when talking to Mark Esper, the Secretary of Defense, Donald Trump suggested to Esper to send some Patriot missiles to Mexico to deal with the drug and sex trafficking cartels in Mexico. Apparently, he knew where these people were, and he thought, hey, we'll just send some missiles in and blow them up. And here's the cool part. We'll tell everybody else that somebody else did it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea, Donnie. That's a brilliant idea. That's akin to the idea you had about bombing Russia. Take our bombers, paint Chinese flags on the side, send them over to bomb Russia. Russia, Russia will see the Chinese flags and then get into a war with China. And then all we have to do is sit back and watch. Yeah, that's brilliant, Donnie. And apparently Don Jr. was pretty upset about all the backlash that's been 
going on out there because Donald Trump wanted to bomb or send missiles to Mexico. Don Jr. then lost his shit trying to protect Diaper Daddy. He said, I'm still trying to figure out the recent media outrage about my father possibly wanting to target Mexican drug cartel and manufacturing facilities. Is that supposed to be a bad thing? Yeah, Junior, it's a bad thing to bomb a country that are our friends, that are our neighbors. It's not only a bad thing, Donnie, it's fucking dangerous. Jesus Christ. What are you thinking? But this is the level of intelligence of Donald Trump and all the people around him. In fact, remember Stephen Miller, that creepy-looking fuck. He looks like a uh, cartoon villain. He talked to Mark Esper, too. When this thing with the border was so hot and they wanted to build the wall and Mexico would pay for it, um, Stephen Miller came up to Esper and said, look, this is what we should do. We should take 250,000 troops, put them on the border, and make sure those brown people don't come across the border. Mark Esper was kind of taken aback at this thing. He thought, what the fuck is that? He said, we don't have 250,000 people to send down there, and even if we did, we wouldn't be fucking doing it. Think about that. That whole strategy sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's the exact same thing, and that's the exact same number of troops that Vladimir Putin put on the border with Ukraine. And now, of course, they're in an all-out war. You make that kind of show of threat to Mexico, that's going to be a problem. I'm not saying Mexico was going to fight with us, but uh, why would we do that to a friend? Especially when we're kissing the ass of our archenemy, Russia. That's how these people are. They're not very bright. They're pretty fucking stupid. And one last point about this was a point that uh, conservative George Conway suggested. He says, I know it's a small point, but this says the former guy, the former president, who was commander-in-chief for over three years and somehow didn't know that Patriot missiles are surface-to-air missiles. See, he wanted to go surface-to-surface with Patriot missiles, but you can't do that because they're surface-to-air. They're from the ground to an airplane or a helicopter or something like that. But that just shows the absolute stupidity of Donald Trump. And what's frightening is Donald Trump and a lot of his cronies who are just as stupid were running this country for four years. They were in the Oval Office. They were in the White House. Their acolytes were in Congress. We had an epidemic of stupid running through our government for four years. I guess we should be happy it wasn't worse than it was. Thankfully, there were some sane people in and around these folks, like General Milley, Mark Esper, people like that. When Donald Trump was getting crazy, they pulled him back. They pulled the reins in. Thank God for that. Had Donald Trump been allowed to do whatever the fuck he wanted, this country would be even worse off than it is now, and who knows who we'd be at war with. 
So Donald Trump, if you don't like being called stupid, just don't be fucking stupid for Christ's sake. We're tired of listening to your bullshit. You're no longer president, but you're still acting like you have power. The only reason you have power is because the Republicans allow you to have power. If the Republicans were smart, they'd shut you down and throw you away because this is going to forever damage the Republican Party. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. All right, as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. He's got some severe problems. Whether he'll be accountable for them, who knows? But NBC News reported last night that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas complained about the nationwide protest against the leaked draft order suggesting the right-wing justices are planning to overturn Roe v. Wade, calling it bullying. Yeah, that's right. He's saying the American public is bullying the Supreme Court. Thomas said, as a society... We are becoming addicted to wanting particular outcomes, not living with the outcomes we don't like. We can't be an institution that can be bullied into giving you just the outcomes that you want. The events from the earlier this week are a symptom of that. Well, Clarence, of course, you and the court are victims. We Tough citizens are beating up on the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. Apparently, you think you can do anything you like, and we have no right to question it. That might have been acceptable back in the day when the Supreme Court was what it should be. But, of course, it's not anymore. For example, the Supreme Court is supposed to be fair, objective, and uh, be based on only in the law. However, as much as you hate to admit it, you're a partisan institution. Oh, don't call us partisan. That diminishes the credibility of the Supreme Court. Well, like I said to Donald Trump earlier, similar similar recommendation. If you don't want to be thought as partisan, don't fucking act partisan. Our Supreme Court shouldn't be partisan at all. It should be fair and objective, but it's not. We have a sitting justice in Clarence Thomas that is married to a woman that attempted to overthrow our government. And then Clarence Thomas refuses to recuse himself from cases involving his wife or organizations connected to his wife. What are we supposed to think about that, Clarence? And then a draft opinion showing five justices planning to overturn Roe v. Wade. In spite of the fact that in your appointment hearings, before you became justices, under oath, you said you wouldn't do that. It was settled law. It had been verified. It had been settled for some time. We're not going to mess with that. That's what you said under oath in your hearings. Yet now, you're doing exactly the opposite of what you promised, what you claimed under oath. So if we've got justices sitting on the Supreme Court that are more than happy to commit perjury just to get a job, well, maybe we should question you, don't you think, Clarence? The court is broken right now. I mean, it's totally fucking broken. Everybody's talking about 
Well, we better do something or the court could be broken. It's already fucking broken. We've got somebody married to a treasonist on the Supreme Court. We've got Supreme Court justices lying in their hearings under oath and then doing just the opposite. They're doing something that 70% of this country support and they want to get rid of it. This has nothing to do with um, deciding a lawsuit. This has everything to do with, with producing policy. And the funny thing is, the Supreme Court has always said, this body should not be making policy. It should be making decisions based on the law. Well, you're doing just the opposite of that. And now Clarence Thomas says, oh, you're just being bullies. It's funny that he's the one that came out and said this. Remember, we were talking before about my supposition that maybe it was Clarence Thomas who leaked this document because he's trying to get some distraction away from the problems he and his wife Jenny has. So he's the one that comes out and speaks on it. Now, of course, he is the longest tenured Supreme Court justice, so he holds a little sway there. But John Roberts is the chief justice, so maybe it should have been him that came out. Our Supreme Court has been the highest court in the land. It's had a lot of credibility, a lot of integrity, but that's all gone now. I mean, there's really no going back on this. Once you've lied to us, once you're trying to game the system, and once you're committing crimes while sitting on the Supreme Court, I'm sorry, the fucking court is done. It's absolutely fucking completely done. Now it isn't so much how we should just back off and not pick on you. It's how do we fix this? And that's a good question. At this point, there's only one way to fix it, because chief justices can sit on the court, or justices can sit on the court for 20 or 30 years. We don't have that kind of time. So something that we've talked about earlier comes back up, and that's what they call stacking the Supreme Court. And what that basically means is an administration, a Congress, can say, you know what, we need to expand the Supreme Court from nine justices to, say, 12 justices or 13 justices or 15 justices. And that's not all that crazy. Justices have been added to the court as there become more constituents in this country. This court has not been expanded for some time, so it's not kept up with the expansion of this country. So it's reasonable to suggest adding more justices to the Supreme Court. And since the Democrats are in power right now, it's likely most of those Supreme Court justices would be Democrat or liberal. So say we add... um, I don't know, four more, four more justices to the Supreme Court, and they're all Democrat. Where does that put us? Uh, we're at now seven to six, if you include Chief Justice John Robert. Now the Democrats have the majority, 
and the Supreme Court can't really do anything for the Republicans because now they're in the minority. Some might say, well, that's not fair. It's absolutely fucking fair, especially when we have a Supreme Court that's broken. Something needs to be done. I've said all along, it should be mandatory that we have nine justices. If that's what we have, we should have uh, um, four conservative, four liberals, always four conservatives, four liberals, and somebody in the middle who doesn't associate or assign themselves to either side to be the middle person to break the tie. The Supreme Court shouldn't be used as a weapon. It should be used to what, for what it is. It's, a, it's about finalizing decisions on the law, fairly based on the law, if they're going to be partisan that doesn't work. If they're going to sit on the court and be involved in illegal things, it's not going to work. So at this point, and it's not something they'll probably do till after the midterms, and depending on how the midterms work out, if they win the majorities in the House and the Senate, the Democrats would likely want to stack the Supreme Court. They might have been iffy about it up until this recent thing happening with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that may be a bit too far for them. That's over the red line. So what they really do need to do is stack this court, even things out. This shouldn't be about partisanship, but it is. And if they can't play by the rules, well, change the fucking rules. All right, some good news. The jobs report came out yesterday. And once again, it was very impressive. U.S. employers added 428,000 jobs in April, capping a year in solid growth and adding more fuel to an already robust recovery. The unemployment rate remained steady at a pandemic low of 3.6%. Now, in the past year, more than 6.5 million jobs have been... uh, uh, been brought into being their new jobs. And this is on track to be at pre-pandemic levels by this summer. Now, it's very unusual that this kind of thing would happen. We'd have big numbers for jobs added with a very low unemployment rate. This is something that really doesn't happen typically. Our job market is in the best situation in recent history. If people are looking for jobs and starting careers, there's no better time, certainly in my lifetime, to do that. I, I, you know, I've told my son, I've told you, I've told a lot of people, if you're a young person or a middle-aged person who's looking to either start a career or change your career, now is the time to do it. People are desperate for employees, and they are... Uh, willing to take chances on people because they need bodies and they don't have bodies. I have a nephew who worked in commercial real estate, and he was basically working in facilities. Well, somebody bought the company, and they're going to change some things around, and he's going to lose his job. But they said there's other jobs in the company. You can look around and see if you want to apply for anything. So he did. He applied for a different job. Now, it's similar in terms of overseeing something, but this involves uh, overseeing a vendor who has, uh, has software that they use. 
I asked him about it today. I said, I don't really understand what you do. And I said, let me see if I, I, I understand it. Let me explain it to you. You have commercial buildings. They use certain software. They probably have a lot of money in this software. They're dealing with big companies, name companies. This software works in conjunction with, uh, with the building. And what my nephew does is he's basically the liaison between the building and the software company. Somebody's got to oversee it because this is something they use every day and they're absolutely dependent on it and it's got to be working all the time. So if there are problems or issues or decisions to be made, this software company has to deal with the, the, the building that's paying for this and I guess my nephew is the one that kind of is the in-between guy that makes sure everybody knows what they're doing and everything is running properly. Here's the deal. Three months ago, he, they told him he was going to be out of a job. He was nervous and upset because that's how you, how you get when you lose a job. And I told him, I said, look, man, don't look at it as losing a job. Look at it as an opportunity. So what happens? He gets a new job, something he's never really done before, doesn't have a lot of experience with, but he has an aptitude based on his previous job, and he gets probably a $20,000 raise. So that bad moment in time, the time he was upset and stressed out, turned into a bigger, better job with more money. And now he feels a little foolish because he realizes he could probably have done this two years ago and not gone through all this shit. But this situation forced him to get kicked in the ass and go out and do something, which he did, and he came out better for it. That's the situation with our um, um, that's the situation with our employment market at this point. Now, in spite of all this incredible news, people are still down about inflation, and I get it, but they're blaming Joe, Joe Biden, and that's a little misplaced. We have inflation for three reasons. First of all, the pandemic. It messed up the supply chain. They had to cut back in the supply chain because people were buying less products, so they didn't want to keep shipping over product at the same rate they were prior to the pandemic because there wasn't a demand for it. So next, when things started to improve with the supply chain, see what happens is they cut way back on the supply chain, pandemic ends, and people start buying more things. Well, the, the, the supply chain is a pretty complex system, and we're talking about getting ships from overseas and the time it takes. So we were getting demand now, but the supply chain hadn't caught up yet. We were still waiting for it to catch up. And since uh, our economy works on a supply and demand situation, now that people were out of the pandemic, they wanted more product. They weren't able to get it because the supply chain was still slow. They were trying to ramp it up again. That's where the inflation started. Then you get this war with Ukraine and Russia, and that makes the inflation go fucking wild. And this has neither one of these things have anything to do with Joe Biden. But there's one more reason for inflation. While we were locked down for COVID, we were doing nothing. We were buying nothing. We were going nowhere. People weren't spending money. 
and they were getting stir-crazy as they were locked in their homes or wherever they were. When it finally broke free and people could finally step out of this situation and could buy things, and remember, the job market's good, so they got jobs. Once they were in a position to actually buy things, first of all, they saved up a lot of money for the previous two years because they weren't spending it. Secondly, now they're going hog wild buying shit. So once again, we've got the supply chain issue. We've got the war in Ukraine and Russia. And, uh, and, and the demand is up. People are buying like crazy. So this is all about supply and demand, whether we be talking about gas or retail type things. Nothing to do with Joe Biden. It has everything to do with supply and demand. And at this point, we have low supply and high demand. That means prices are going to be high. Until we're able to handle that situation and get it to balance out, we're going to have problems with inflation. We need this Ukraine-Russia war to end one way or another. We can blame Vladimir Putin for that, not Joe Biden. Actually, you could blame Donald Trump because he's Vladimir Putin's buddy. And the reason the reason that Vladimir Putin felt empowered to do such a thing is because of whatever he got off of Donald Trump while he was in office. All right, let's talk about Hillary Clinton. This is kind of interesting. Never a Hillary Clinton fan. Never wanted to see her as president. But as I look back at 2016, she would have been far better and far better for this country had she beaten Donald Trump. And the question is, did she beat Donald Trump? She beat him with the popular vote. We know the Russians were helping Donald Trump win. Maybe the election fraud that the uh, Republicans are screaming about actually happened in 2016. But what we're finding out is that everything Hillary predicted regarding the possibility of Donald Trump becoming president, guess what? It's all fucking coming true. She was right about everything. Hillary cautioned that the leaked draft to overturn Roe v. Wade could be just the start of rights being rolled back for all kinds of groups. She said, this opinion is dark. It is incredibly dangerous. And it's not just about a woman's right to choose. She went on, any American who says, I'm not a woman, this doesn't affect me. I'm not black, that doesn't affect me. Once you allow this kind of extreme power to take hold, you have no idea what they'll be coming for next. And she's absolutely right. They have success rolling back a constitutional right for a group. Don't be surprised if they do it again. They want to roll back abortion uh, laws. But who, who's to say they're not going to want to take back the gay marriage laws or, or rights for LGBTQ people or civil rights for that matter because we know they're fucking racist. That's the problem. You let this happen and then things go to shit. She says the only answer to this, the only way we can fix this is elect people that will protect your rights. She said she warned us about this in the campaign in 2016, and damned if she didn't, and damned if she didn't nail it. The only thing we can do is vote out all Republicans at this point. Democrats must must come out in mass to ensure Democratic wins. 
That is the difference between a disastrous future for this country and a bright future for this country. If you don't get out and vote, well, then you're going to get exactly what you deserve. See, that's the thing. People always say to me, what can we do? What can we do? Well, the only thing you can do first and foremost is vote. We had a big voting block come out in 2020 because it was the presidential election. Historically, midterms get far less voters. People don't think it's important. Let me tell you something. This midterm election is just as important as 2020. The effects of losing to the Republicans in 2022 may be dire. And you don't believe me? Well, they're looking to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's pretty fucking dire. And as Hillary Clinton says, this is just the fucking start. They're going to start rolling back everything. And what troubles me about this is, is the people that want this done are not the majority of the people in this country. They're a small minority. They're like 30, 32%. These people should not have control of what happens in this country. They should not be in a position to make decisions. But because of their bullying tactics and all their cheating and lying and stealing and all this stuff, they're getting away with it. At some point, the majority of this country, Democrats and intelligent Republicans, have to say, fucking stop. You either stop this or shit's going to get really bad. See, what concerns me more than anything, if the Republicans get in and have the majority in the House and the Senate and say a Republican wins the presidency in 2024, and all this shit falls apart. Our rights are taken away. We're living in an authoritarian government. We've got a despot or, or, or a authoritarian dictator running this place. Now what do we do? If we don't take care of it ahead of time and we're stuck in that situation, the only real opportunity here is a fucking revolution. That's the only way you're going to ever get it back. Imagine that, having a revolution in America. Now, I don't want to sound crazy here, and I don't want to sound like I'm advocating war. But when you've gotten to that point, and you have an authoritarian government, the only thing you can do is mount a coup, start a war, start a revolution. We have an opportunity to stop that before it happens. And it's incumbent on us to fucking do that. We need to do that. Like I said, if we can't get off our asses and vote, fight back, push back, then I'm sorry to say we deserve everything we get. And once we get everything that we deserve, we're going to say, oh, shit, we shouldn't have done that. Well, that's not the time to become enlightened. The time is now before it's all happening. And stop this shit right away. I'm hoping against hope that the millennials and the Gen Zs will be triggered by this Roe v. Wade thing. Because those are the people that are going to be affected by it. Those are the people that are going to be limited by it. And if the millennials and the Gen Zers step up and they start voting, they could pretty much control this next election. There's that many people in those two demographics. 
And I would love to see that. I know there's a lot of boomers out there that says, oh, we don't want millennials running this. They'll fuck it up. They're lazy. They don't know what to do. At this point, I'm willing to give them a shot because what we're dealing with now is something that could end this country. As far as the future goes, that belongs to the millennials and the Gen Zers. So why not give them the opportunity to work things out and decide their destiny? I don't want to be a boomer and that's responsible for whatever happens in this country and that we weren't able to fight back and then leave my kids and my grandkids with a shitty country, with shitty government, and no hope for the future. I don't want to die with that hanging over my head. So now is the time to fight. I'm going to be pounding on people between now and November. I'm going to be pointing out all the things that we should be fearful of because there are many. And if that doesn't hit home, I don't know what else we can do. If the things going on in this country don't make people sit up and take notice, I don't know what else there is to do. There isn't. And once they decide they want to do something, it's going to be too late and the, the resolution will be tragic and dramatic. And we'd like to avoid that. We'd like to avoid that. I'm hoping against hope that between now and November, the January 6th committee exposes a lot of things, brings a lot of things to light so people can say, whoa, that's fucked up. We're not voting Republican. I'm hoping against hope that boomers that have a like mind, rational boomers, get up and vote in mass. If you have to get off your chair and use your walker to get your car or have somebody pick you up, by all means, do whatever you have to. And you have to do this so that you don't leave a shithole country to your kids and grandchildren. And our young people, Gen Xers, Gen Zers, and Millennials. If you've never participated in our politics, in our government, at some point it's going to make a difference to you. It may not now because you're young. But if you want hope for the future, if you want a good country like the country you grew up in, now's the time you need to stand up and take action. Now's the time you actually have to get off your ass and vote. I'm telling you, if we don't win in 2022, meaning the Democrats, I'm going to be fine. My life isn't going to change. I've got much shorter time on this earth than you do. I will be fine. The only thing that troubles me, if I have to die with leaving a shithole country to my kids and grandkids, that's going to be difficult to handle. So I'm counting on millennials and Gen Zers and the young people to get up in mass and fucking vote Republicans out. That's the only real option at this point. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for spending time with me, taking the time out of your day to listen to the Rational Boomer podcast. It is much appreciated. If you have questions, comments, complaints, whatever, again, just send them to the Rational Boomer to rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave a voicemail message. I hope you have a great day. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. 
don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.